Welcome back to Honesty Talk. We're going to be speaking about a slightly different topic. Money, money, money. <laughs> um, and I guess the question I'd like to pose and the question that I guess we unconsciously pose ourselves is does poverty equate to piety? Leggin card, hand it over to you. I know you have a lot to say on this topic. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I know where the notion that poverty and piety are synonymous comes from. It's the hadith um, along the lines of the majority of the people in Jannah will be from the poor. And so, obviously, with that mindset, with that narration, you'd be like, okay, so in order for me to make it, then I must be amongst the poor, you know? And if I have it, then maybe there's a danger that I won't be amongst the people of Jannah based on that particular hadith. And it riles me up because there is nothing inherently in our deen that says that someone shouldn't have money and that money is bad. And yet we have this label attached to money that it's problematic, that I don't even if it comes from our deen, you know, like money is the root of all evil. And this notion that if you have money, you don't have the right to keep it. You must give it all away to charity. You can't spend it on yourself or you must feel guilty if you do have money. But yet, if you th if you look at the pillar of Islam, zakah. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. In order to give 2.5% of your wealth. You must have uh, you have you must have a sum of money that's above the nisab for a year, untouched below the nisab, right? So that means you must have a degree of wealth in order to be able to give zakat, and for zakat to be a fundamental pillar of Islam, inherently, people must have have the wealth. People there must be a. a, a, a a group of people, there must be people who have the wealth to be able to give 2.5% of that wealth to charity. And so where does it come from that in order to be amongst the righteous, then I must, I must be amongst the poor, or I can't have money, or that money is bad. And I, I tell people all the time, like, where do you get this from? And it's, it's probably, it's usually something that they've heard growing up, that they've seen in their fam family upbringing that, you know, we, we shouldn't have money or give it away, give it away. Holding on to it is bad. Holding on to it means you're greedy. Holding on, hon holding on to it means whatever the story is that, we, that they've created. I'm just like, I ain't got time for that. Okay. Okay. Smaya. <laughs> uh, I think what you're saying about where do they get the idea from that it's not a good thing to have, I think it's the zuhd and taqashuf. That, you know, Zuhd is leaving the dunya and focusing on the akhirah and not getting, you know, letting worldly material affairs into your heart and becoming preoccupied with yeah. the pursuit of worldly gain. Blah, You know, all, all of that. I think that that's the kind of the angle that if a person is concentrating on their hereafter and being connected to God, then any kind of worldly abundance is a distraction and a preoccupation. And it's not it shouldn't be pursued and that it's like it's got to be one or the other. Like, where's the balance? But I love the point that you made about 
zakat. Like there has to be a substantial segment of society because you think their 2.5% used to carry all the poor in that community. Right? Mm. So it's got to be a substantial amount yeah. of people for that. Right. 2.5 is nothing. 2.5 mm. is not a lot. So how many people are we talking? What percent of the community is actually above that line that can support those who are not? So it's not, it's not a small amount. And I never thought about it that way. But it's it's really not the idea that also when we hear about, you know, the companions when we hear about um, the tabi'in, when we hear about the, you know, all of the kind of uh, these are people who are ubed and ulama and they may they were not like in the worldly. It's always they're praised for that, that that disconnection. They would worship Allah and leave the, you know, the worldly, uh, you know, pursuits. So that is I think that's what people think is aspirational. And they kind of make it, they put it on two sides. As if they can't be, you can't merge the two in a healthy way. You can't have, you can't have your foot in the dunya and that you do well and you, you're comfortable and also be a person who's a person of God and who's concentrated and connected to mm -hmm. the akhirah, connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So where you see healthy, uh, like uh, people who represent a healthy balance. So they may be worldly speaking, they're successful and also they're people of faith. Because I think also the idea that if I'm if I become really wealthy, I'll forget about God and religion and take off my you know religious garb. Once I become rich, I don't need it anymore. Religion is for the poor. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, and it's kind of a the, and that's the opposite. That's perpetuated yeah. in other cultures that the uh, religious uh, religiosity is for the poor and those who have religion. And even when you think of the Deen, when it came and the the. The people of Mecca, the the leaders of Mecca, were looking at the droves of people coming into the Deen. Mm -hmm. It was just the poor people, and then Abu Bakr came in. Then like, oh. yeah, what can <laughs> we say now? Yeah, <laughs> like, literally, no. <laughs> they got one of the rich ones, and that's when it was like, man, serious. serious. We've got a serious problem, yeah. right? But you know, um, when it comes to money. The, the danger with money, and I think the danger in like f the focus of money is when we decide it's the end mm -hmm. rather than the means. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is dangerous. Mm -hmm. When you decide that I will be happy when I have this amount of money and I will be content when I have this and amount I'll of be money stable. and I'll be stable and I'll be whatever it is that you've decided, mm -hmm. it's not, it's never an end. Money is just a means to be able to do things and to be able to have things and be able to give and to be able to support and be able to kind of like have the, the like it's, an, it's a door of op opportunity to somewhere else, but it isn't the destination. No, no. And I think it's, it, it all goes back to the mindset that we have surrounding money. Um, like you said, it, 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 you can actually have the intention that you know what, if I'm wealthy, this can be a means of me worshipping Allah. This can be a means of me attaining Allah's pleasure because I'll be able to give more sadaqah. My, my zakat will increase. Um, I'll be able to help people. I'll be able to invest in dawah projects and, and, and charity initiatives and so on. So it can be, um, it can actually be a the means to piety, yeah? But having money can be the means to piety, but it all it, it, it all depends. I'm, I'm listening to both of you, and I, and I said before we started the episode, I'm probably going to be quiet on this one because I don't. Not that I have an issue with money, but for me, um, I wouldn't say that I would that I have held the view that poverty 
equals piety. But for me, I'm very conscious of not allowing money to enter my heart. And so I personally, I'm talking it personally, I would love to have a lot of money um, to be able to, to, to do more with it, to be able to do more good with it, inshallah. Everyone can say ameen. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and for you too, ameen. <laughs> um, but I am, I feel, there is, I have to be honest, I feel like, mm, careful, Alia, be careful, because I wouldn't want it to go to my head. I wouldn't want it to enter my heart and for it to be a means of immersing myself in so much dunya that it takes my focus away from the akhirah. And that's where you always bring Allah back into the equation. Yeah. And when you do, the danger of it entering your heart and it becoming the focus of your, like in your dunya, is the danger is lessened, you know? Because you're just like, okay, right. I've got this, this, I've got this money, one. The facilitator, Al-Razaq is the, the one who gave it to me in the first place. And he's given it to me and I can do great things with it, right? So just, just like always linking it back. And this is what I say to people, if you're, if you're scared, if you're worried, if you're concerned about if you, like what it would mean if you had lots of money or what it would mean if you, uh, and I, for me, money and dunya aren't, synonymous I don't actually link is it broader money. is dunya broader than money of course it is yes yeah I, I don't like I don't see it as like you know having lots of money means I'm immersed in the dunya no no I didn't what I meant yeah. by that was that I'm for me personally yeah. I'm worried that if I did have I mean like a considerable like you know vast difference that I would I would I w would become immersed in the dunya in terms of accumulating wealth and how I spend the money and I so on. I personally don't think you would. Yeah, what makes you say that? <laughs> She's like, you don't know me, <laughs> you know? I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's strange because I, I, I do have this niggly fear. And so it's not that I'm uncomfortable with money. I, I like money, I want money. You know, I'd like more of it, inshallah, Amin. Amin. <laughs> Does that in some way kind of hold you back sometimes from a, from doors or opportunities to earn lots of money? Hmm. Therapist, <laughs> therapist moment. Talk to me about that, you know? Why is this coming to me? <laughs> um, you know what? I... Mm. Ask me the question again. <laughs> Ask me the question. I need to hear it again. So, you know, in terms of the fear that you have in becoming immersed in the dunya, mm. does that then cause you to kind of, when the opportunity to earn lots of money may arise, does that make you hesitant on or even choose not to go down there? No, no, no. If, there, if there's an opportunity for me to earn, I will. I will, you know, embrace that. Um, I'm talking about substantial amount. A substantial amount. Um, I would be cautious. Mm. Cautious, not because I'm afraid that I won't get it, because you know I'm, I'm an achiever, yes. alhamdulillah. And what that I, could mean. Um, I, I think I fear for myself. Mm. And, I, and you know, it's funny you should ask me that because I'm sitting here listening to myself respond to your question and I'm remembering my mum. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was going to say, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm remembering my mum, and my mum 
um, was the breadwinner. Okay, and she struggled. She was a, she was a medical secretary. She struggled to pay all the bills, raise myself and my brother. Pretty much, though my father was around, but you know, pretty much on her own. And she had a certain relationship with money, and that was to be. And to this day, even though she's much wealthier now than she was when when we were a child, she's still the same. She's very careful, very tight, very, you know, she won't, she'll go for the cheaper option, even though she can afford the, mm. the more expensive option. And so I think as a child being raised with that, it definitely has shaped my values around money. My values around money. And so I am more careful, more cautious. Um, and then now, now as a Muslim, you've got that, that I've got that mm. paradigm with you know, with that mindset. And so maybe that's why I am the way I am. But I'm okay though, I'm okay. Alhamdulillah, I'm, I just wanna say I'm okay. <laughs> but yeah, it is interesting. It is interesting, it is Very interesting. Because I know I recently came up, with, uh, like came, came upon the concept of um, deprivation attachment and actually being attached to being deprived and that being a real thing. So having lots of money and then by the end of a week, two weeks, a month, that money is gone. And it's not because the money doesn't have barakah, but it's that, that comfort and that familiarity with not having much. And so, wait, I've got this amount of money in my account. Okay, gotta give it to that one. I'm gonna spend it on that. Um, give it to that charity. Mm, oh my God, I've still got that much. And getting to the point of comfort that's familiar Oh, okay, we've only got that much money in the bank, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, because that's familiar. Because it's familiar, and mm. that attachment to deprivation, that attachment to not having enough, because it's it's what you grew up knowing, and it's what you grew up being familiar. With. Now you have, and that's why people who have who like you know we're not Muslim, we're, we are Muslims, but we don't we don't gamble and things. But who acquire a large sum of money overnight, literally, they 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 throw it away it, yeah. because they don't know how to deal with that much money. They haven't had financial training mm. in how to, and, and in the Muslim world, I don't even, I don't even know if we like have financial training, like money I'm is so, okay. I'm so glad you mentioned it because, you know, obviously in, in my work with Solace, um, the charity that yeah. I run, we come across so many sisters who don't know how to manage money. And that's not from a position of, of a lack of, sometimes it is, but even those that do have, it's just they don't know what to do with it. And I think this is, this is a, it's a serious issue. So you find someone um, struggling financially within the West, you know, because they don't know how to manage their money and it could go back to- That deprivation. That, that mindset, yeah, and what is familiar. I'm thinking about hearing you guys talk, I'm thinking about the value we put on things. And when it comes to charging for services and when we talk about money in, in the Muslim community, how there's a, there's, a, there's a disconnect, maybe I'll say, between 
the way we attribute value. So if what you're doing is something offered by a Muslim, sold by a Muslim in a Muslim business, we don't respect. Yeah, we don't respect, you know, we want discounts and we don't take it seriously. Whereas if you were in a non-Muslim environment in a university or somewhere, you would never haggle on tuition fees or, you know, you wouldn't do that stuff. No, you wouldn't. But when it comes to Muslims, we're very. We expect favors and leniency. We just don't value. I, I remember. When I started out with Recite and Reflect, I started teaching the workshops and I was teaching them at a very low, in my compared to now, very low amount. And I remember someone looking at me and telling me, that's just way too much. No one would ever pay that amount for a workshop. And I'm not kidding you. The same day we're leaving where we were and we're on the road and she stops in in a shop and is looking at buying an outfit for an occasion. And I'm talking 10 times the price of the workshop, no qualms, hold it for me. We're gonna do the tailoring. I'm gonna bring my husband back. We're gonna get this tomorrow, like now. We have the money, like, wow. but when it comes to, you know, Islamic knowledge or, or anything, just anything else that you can, you can decide on the value mentally. You can perceive it as this is worth it and that's not. I'll spend on a handbag, but if it's a course, ah, you know, why are you charging the Muslims? You know, so it's very, uh, it's, it's finicky, I think, and it's something people need to look into. Flip side, though, mm. and, and I see, I, I get you, and I completely hear your point, and I've seen that myself. Flip side, I see this kind of grates on me, and I've mentioned this before, are speakers who charge a phenomenal amount of money for a speaking, enga- speaking engagement for, let's say, a charity, right and request five-star hotels first-class flights um you know and that's 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 exclude that's exclusive of their fee right we're talking about in the thousands of pounds for a one hour two hour talk two hour that's like pushing it let's say one hour Mm. right so it's like i get that obviously you have a business you're, you're 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 providing a service you have the right to charge what you see fit. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're right that there are Muslims who really just take the mick, to be honest with you. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> and, and, and expect you to just give it for free. Or they change their mind. They change their mind after they've started attending it. Expect you to return the money. But hold on a second. Would you do that with a, with a non-Muslim facilitator or trainer? No, you wouldn't, right? But then we have the flip side. Of those that are charging crazy, crazy amounts... For a very, I don't know. See that's, that's, and uh, so, so I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm being honest. This is honesty talk, yeah, yeah, right? No. And I'm being honest that that personally grates on me. But then even extortionate or substantial amount is 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 relative. subjective yeah. because we we when someone says I'm going to charge this amount for a talk, mm-hmm. you don't see the time they're doing research planning the talk, putting the talk together, writing the talk. That's, that's, they've done work before they've even entered the building. Correct. And especially for women. Correct. Who but, have got children. Yes, I agree. Right? A man can go about his business and he's just like, ah, see you later, babes, so I'm going, I got, yeah. yeah. But a woman, she has to arrange the childcare, make sure everyone's fed and alive and da, 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 da. She's got, she's leaving her family to go and she, I, I feel like sisters, need to be compensated well for the work that they do when, when it comes to like that. Agree. Now, okay, five-star hotel and first-class flights. Come on, yeah. We, we need to be reasonable. We need to be reasonable. I get that. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. But I think 
not only that, but they do need to be compensated. The whole five star, first class, you know, ten thousand pounds for a one hour talk, you know. And I'm not, I'm not joking here, right? You're, you have to remember who you're taking from. Yeah. That's a charity. I mean, I'm talking about in the context of charities. Yeah. Okay. You're taking that amount of money from a charity. Now, for me, as a CEO of a charity, I think the CEOs and the board of trustees themselves have have to re-think um, their decision-making process whereby you're paying one individual thousands and thousands of pounds for a half an hour, one hour talk. Mm. First of all, that's just me. But I, I, I do think that um, knowing that it's a charity, often a Muslim charity, it's a, it's a one hour talk and you're charging that amount, knowing that that's coming from Sadaqa money, that grates on me. Mm. I, I, I hear that, that. and I, and I agree. And also, we also have to recognize that, you know, when someone is bringing so-and-so in this character, they know that so-and-so in this character will be bring so-and-so people. Mm. And from and bringing so-and-so so yeah. so people will bring donations. So they're weighing up the cost of bringing this person and what their caliber will bring to the door for them. It's a so brand name so, thing. So it's, it's, it's like, yeah. you know, if you've got, uh, it's like uh, Prada and Primark, right? <laughs> Right. And I, and but do, do you see that. what I mean? Like the value yeah. in how and, and how and how we value that, I guess, again, within reason, mm. you know, we have to be. Yes, it's balanced. Yeah, isn't it, it's, it is about within reason. If because you are asking. You could be doing a corporate gig and say this is not going to dent anything right. and right. I can ask my asking whatever it, and you it know, doesn't hurt anyone. You know, yeah. it's not going to hurt, any, hurt yeah. anyone. I'm just, I'm just laughing because I recently had to do a corporate gig and they were haggling me. I was like, you. <laughs> you were haggling me. <laughs> She's coming out. You now. big name. <laughs> but it's, it is about balance and it is about being reasonable. And, and, and like you said, definitely looking at who you're talking to. Thank you. Because Thank if you, you are talking to charities, it's different from talking to one big production right? who have got the money, right? Where a miskeen charity is like just about getting scra scraping in the funds to be able to help their service users. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and to be flexible, to be flexible with your, you know, with, with your charges, you know, looking at who, you know, who your audience is, who has hired you to speak and so on. And just have that level of flexibility and balance. I think that's really important. It sounds also like it could be, a, especially like in the Muslim community, it could be a response to going through quite a bit of like abuse and runaround when it comes to dealing with like, just like you said, people take the mick, as you guys say. When as, it comes as, to as, as, as guys, British people say, as, as guys. <laughs> that, 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 you know, when you deal, sometimes there's like, a, you know, they undervalue your work, there's unprofessionalism, there's neglect. There, so you have to put the standards way up here if you just want to be accommodated too, properly. Too. So yeah. it could be a defense mechanism as well that, you know, if I put the bar up here and, and they give you, you too much fuss about it. You will take me seriously. Yeah, you'll take me seriously yeah. or you won't book me. Like, it's just straightforward. Yeah. Like, it'll put the standard, I will deal with these kind of people from now on. Yeah, you and know? you know, it does, it does do that. It, it does. It, it does change yeah. the commitment levels because yeah. just like if they were going to hire out a prominent non-Muslim speaker, you would expect the service will be like this, and we will show up like this, and everyone's on the same, mm -hmm. you know, Playing same field. plane yeah. view on understanding. But then when it comes to the Muslim sphere, it's like ah, oh, she was she ah, uh, you know, da, 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 you know. So when you say, look, this is my standard, and this is where I'm. This is this is it. If you can't meet it. You I'm can't sorry, work together, right? Yeah, it's very and and I think it is okay to do that mm -hmm. because then you show you know you show yourself as being you know serious and look I'm all in. Are you? Yeah. You know, are you going to take me seriously? But you know, kind of just circling back to what we were saying about 
having money or not having money. I do feel like if there's anyone who wants to like set up some kind of financial coaching course, money management, something, go for it because we're waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> we need it. It's needed knowing how to manage money. No, and it's not the value of money. And, and the value of money, but not to kind of like skimp, but actually how to manage it. So it's beneficial for you and beneficial for other people as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. That was my last. That was your last. Okay. I said I wasn't going to say much, but it has actually, I must say, it's something that I don't necessarily speak about often. I know. Uh, this one. <laughs> She's After this episode, you. I'm going to deal yeah, with her. It, yeah. <laughs> it's something that I don't necessarily, and I think, it, I think it definitely for me, I mean, sitting here listening to you, listening to myself and what I'm saying, it's definitely made me think about um, my relationship with money, my attitude towards money. And it is something, you know, it, being honest is it leads to growth. It's something that I will personally take on board and have a think about. Um, yeah. But everyone's make everyone's welcome to make du'a for me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for her money. I mean, I, and money for Alia, I mean. So yeah. your final thoughts, Samir, Lady Kashyap. Yeah, we first. were talking about that on the way here, actually. Like this, uh, just exactly what you're saying. Look at your beliefs around money. Examine your, you know, limiting beliefs around money. Look at your upbringing, the things you've always heard when it comes to money, and see how you may have these uh, kind of unspoken ideas. And is it serving you? Yeah. Can you change that narrative so that you can have a healthy relationship? With you see, money? that's an interesting question because when you say, "Is it serving you?" I feel like so far it has served me well. Alhamdulillah. Can it serve me better going forward? That's something mm. I need to think mm -hmm. about. <laughs> Is it serving me well? Yes. Can it serve me better? And we want to get better. Yeah. We want to be stronger because the stronger Muslim is better than the. Hey, weaker you know you got dreams. Okay. And they need they need funding. Yeah, they need funding. <laughs> we need funding. <laughs> okay, so that wraps up this episode on money, money, money. Um, interesting discussion. Look forward to the engagement on the YouTube channel, on Instagram and Facebook. And we look forward to seeing you again at the next episode, inshallah. It's difficult. People do need workshops. People do need education. And okay, it might last for a while, but then what? How is it that we as a Muslim community have presented Islam in such a way that a sister says it's okay? The element of love you know, or seeking someone that you will love and someone that will love you, are imams mentioning that? It's okay to be beaten, it's okay to be abused, it's okay to be manipulated. Are you telling imams, look, you know what? This is what sisters are going through. There's no topic on love, there's no topic on compatibility. Marriages are failing.